calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry Neighborhood Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. Hey, girl, hey. Hey. It's still witchy season. Still witchy season, everybody. Very exciting. It is. And we did a ton of witch-related research. Yes. God, that's hard to say. Yeah. Witch-related research. Witch-related research. This week, uh, since we are doing this episode and also we... Um, had to do prep for our live episode yeah. in which we talk about medicine women, yeah. cunning women in relation to witchcraft. Female healers. Yes. yes. All that kind of stuff. So today we are going to be talking about witches in pop culture, witches yes. in TV and movies and how they've been represented, how they've changed throughout time, mm-hmm. um, and what that means and what it has meant to us. Yeah. So what was your like relationship with witches growing up? What like, do you think my relationship with witches was? I would say up? it was largely positive. What d- can you give me a specific well, example? I mean, of course, of, of course, <laughs> the Wizard of Oz. The Wizard of Oz, of course. So yes, and then so when I think of witches in pop culture, of course, I think of the Wicked Witch of the West and Glinda. But I also like if I were thinking of like TV witches and like movie witches, I also think of Sabrina the Teenage Witch, be uh, bewitched and. Hocus Pocus. Well, I would say that we were living through a witchy revival. Yes. In the 90s. Yeah. There was this real revival of, like, witch stuff in pop yeah. culture. And we'll talk about the way that it's kind of, like, moved and changed. But I feel like 90s witches in particular, not only was it a positive representation of witches on the whole. Yeah. Um, but it was also kind of this, like fun, campy, yeah. almost girl powery. In in the nineties there was that like girl power feminism. Yeah. Spice Girls feminism. Yeah, Spice Girls feminism. <laughs> where it, it it's very like you know, consumerist view of, of yeah. feminism. However for me, I really, really related to that. Yeah. I loved it. And also, I think that almost every girl goes through a, like, witch phase or a phase where she 
thinks she's a witch or she yeah. wants to be a witch. Or I really loved the movie Matilda growing oh, up. loved it. And I, well, I think I've said this before. I was originally going to be named Matilda, so I was like, I am Matilda. And that is my a, cat's name. Oh, uh, yeah, it is. And I would wear, like, a red bow in my hair like she did in a blue dress, and I would, like, be Matilda at preschool and things like that. And I would point to things and, like, want them to move. Like I, that I spent scene. so much time, like, looking at shit, trying Same. to make it move. Like, oh, I had an audition this Saturday for Matilda the Musical. <gasps> I have an audition for Miss Honey this this Saturday. Oh my gosh, I love Matilda the Musical. But I I don't think I'm going to be able to go because I've got like too much shit going on. Aww, I don't think you'd I'm be an amazing Miss Honey. Going to be able to do rehearsals and things like that. Yeah. But I fucking loved Matilda. I loved Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Mm-hmm. I loved um, Practical Magic is still one of my favorites. Never I, seen it. Oh my god. Oh my god. You have to watch A Practical lot of Magic. I haven't seen and I was like, well, I can't really talk about it too much because I haven't seen it. Did it's, you did you watch Bewitched when you were little? Like on Nick at Night and things like that? A little TV bit. Land? A little bit. I'm not as familiar with that. I watched the really shitty Nicole Kidman Will Ferrell movie yes, when yeah. it came out. I yeah. saw that in theaters. I was a big TV Land gal growing up. I loved like the Brady Bunch and Bewitched and like all those shows. I definitely was exposed to it. Yeah. Um, but I didn't watch it as much as some of these other things. Of course, like I watched Sabrina the Teenage Witch constantly. I was watching that all the time. There was a talking cat in it. I was all about it. All about it. Um, I want to actually talk about Bewitched a little bit and Samantha from Bewitched. So that show actually uh, debuted in 1964 and it ended in 1972 on ABC. It starred Elizabeth Montgomery as Samantha. And this is kind of interesting because there's an argument as to whether or not it's feminist or not because while it's being a witch, like, Samantha and her mother are both witches, and, like, it's very celebrated, and the mother kind of, like, berates the husband for being mortal, and, like, this whole thing, and it's part of the humor, um, but Samantha kind of strives to be normal. She very much is, like, I'm not gonna use magic to do my housework and my cooking, and, like, it's very domesticated. She's, like, I wanna be just a normal housewife, but I have magic! What? I think Bewitched is kind of an interesting one because the mother character, she is definitely embracing her power as a witch. And that, I think, is really empowering. Exactly. And Samantha, while she is a witch and that is inherently powerful, like, women see that as being inherently powerful, I feel like because of the time that it came out, it had to exist within the existing patriarchal structure. It did, but what's interesting about when the show came out, The Feminine Mystique came out the year before the show began, and Roe v. Wade was decided the year after it ended. So it is kind of an interesting time for the show to come out, and it's interesting to see the differences between the two female leads, the mother and Samantha, Mm -hmm. and how different they are, and I feel like she's almost stuck in the middle. Like, she's got this very eccentric mother and she's got this very bland normal husband and it's almost like she's kind of trying to decide where she fits and how she can both be magical and be this like domesticated housewife um somebody from this woman holly ohalvo from qz.com calls bewitched a traditional show dressed in feminist clothing which i'm not really sure i agree with entirely, but I think that there were a lot of things that were unintentionally probably feminist about the show, especially in the mother's character. Right, and I I do think that there are probably things that were intentionally empowering, because, okay, so 
I, I think that people are drawn to witches. Feminists are drawn to witches. Yeah. It has become almost this kind of like, um, it's almost become synonymous yeah. with feminism. The yeah. idea of like witchcraft and this sisterhood and all of these things. Yeah. And I think that people are drawn to it because it is an inherently powerful yeah. female figure. Well, it's interesting because historian Christian Zay. Christian J. Soli says, witches, sluts, and feminists are the trifecta of terror for the patriarchy. Yes, and, and so I do think because of that, regardless of her domesticity in the show, I feel like it is inherently feminist to have a person, uh, a woman who has this kind of inherited power, power. and strength. I do think, if I remember correctly in that show, though, there is some kind of like toxic masculinity oh, yeah. when it comes to the husband. I feel oh, like he feels emasculated he does. constantly he by does. her power. But it's interesting because like that show was primarily viewed by women. And so the same uh, woman who wrote this QZ.com article says, all across America, seemingly happy homes hide powerful women who are in fact just playing at housewifery, concealing their true abilities. Because inherently, she has the power. She literally has more right, power she than Right, she could ruin husband. him in any moment. And he then feels emasculated and powerless and doesn't because of the patriarchy especially at the time the man is the head of the household he has the power you know he comes home to a nice home cooked meal and a clean house and it's all of that kind of stuff but when your wife literally has more power than you he doesn't know he wants to suppress that he doesn't understand right it. instead of embracing her power and embracing the fact that she is the more powerful being in their home he does consistently try and think of ways to suppress that yeah uh, i do remember that from the show and, um, you know, in that respect, I can see how the argument could be made that the show is anti-feminist because not only does he work to suppress her power, she actively works to suppress it yeah. within herself in order to appease him exactly. and not threaten his masculinity. But then we got way. that snarky mom who's like, bitch, what you doing? Yeah, she like, comes. Yeah, I mean, and that's true. Like, she is the true feminist character mm -hmm. in that in that movie or in that show. She 100%. embraces her um, femininity and her power yeah. at the same time. And I love it. She's always in, like, bright, bright clothes. She's got bright red hair. Don't she, give a fuck. Don't Not give a fuck. Not one single fuck. She's like, I'm going to stand out, be who I am. What's her this name? This is it. I can't the show? I keep wanting to say, like, Glendora or something it's like something that. It's something very similar. I'm going to look it up. Endora. Endora. There you go. You yeah, I know so it was something good. like that. Something like that. Uh, so I read this Guardian article uh, talking about feminist heroes in relations to in relation to witches uh -huh. in pop culture this woman this writer hazel sills wrote i think a lot of feminists like myself have romanticized witchcraft for a few reasons one it's a woman using powers to change a world that doesn't like her in the first place a witch tale is a feminist fantasy because it's about having a physical mystical power that can create real dangerous change in a world that would rather take power away from them hell yeah and I, love that. I do think that that is why witches have been suppressed, threatened yeah. uh, throughout history, because it's that fear of that power. It's that fear of the yeah. feminine in a lot of ways. Exactly. And it's why we lean into them in these like pop culture characters. Exactly. And that's the thing is that <clears throat> like witches tend to lean into their femininity, into their sexuality, different things like that. And I was reading a bit about Melisandre from Game of Thrones and yes. how... Um, how she, like, uses her femininity, her sexuality, like, her powers literally come from, like, 
her sex organs. You know what I mean? Yeah. She uses all of that for her own gain. And she's also a priestess where historically women don't have access to being like these high religious figures, which is really interesting. Um, She defies the witch trope, believe that witches are anti-religion and worth burning. And she actually flips it where she burns the people who, like, do her wrong and things like that. I think she is a very interesting character as well who's worth examining more closely because she was portrayed as a villain in the first half of the series. Yeah. And in the second half of the series, she's portrayed less as a villain. um, More of, like, a very wise woman. And more more of a wise woman, but also you start to understand that everything that she was doing was being done for, like, a higher purpose. Yeah. At least that's what she believed. And, yes, yeah. she did some really, really awful things. It's Game of Thrones. In that show. Yeah. <laughs> but most people did, yeah. right? But, yeah, I think that she's a very interesting character to look at as far as, like, examining her as a TV witch. She wasn't yeah. even on my list of TV witches. So. Yeah, every list that I was like, best TV <clears throat> witches, all of them had Melisandre on it, which I thought was... I didn't think of it at the top of my head, and I thought that was really interesting because she is one of those witches which, like you said, really leans into her femininity, into her sexuality, and what that kind of power can give. Yeah, I think a lot of the things about, like, TV witches that I find most interesting are not only are they leaning into things that are traditionally feminine in a lot of ways, because even these, like, pictures that we have of of witches, a lot of times they're doing things like stirring a cauldron or doing things that are are seen as kind of, like, uh, domesticated, but they also lean into sisterhood very often. Mm -hmm. Melisandre, not so much. She's (laughs) usually surrounded by men and things like that, but a lot of these other people, you know, you do watch, you haven't seen Practical Magic, but there are aunts who raise daughters. Yeah. Um, and then one of the daughters has daughters. And then, you know, you watch Sabrina the Teenage Witch. It's yep. aunts who are raising Sabrina. Yeah. And so there's this this sisterhood in a culture where they're usually pitting women against each other. Exactly. Yeah, that's a really good point. And that is something with Sabrina the Teenage Witch that I really like as well. I loved the aunts. Hilda and Zelda, right? And Sabrina the Teenage yes. Witch. Love them. And also, what's interesting about Sabrina the Teenage Witch that was, like, really different for its time is that it had, like, an almost all-female cast, majority female writing room, and women running the show. The showrunner, Nell Scoville, the creator and executive producer, said that the form... That from the beginning of the show's creation, she had to fight against sexist double standards. Like, ABC didn't understand why... Sabrina's mom wasn't around. They were like, oh, the dad's off working. That makes sense. But why would the mom be off working and not raising her child? Why is she with the aunts? And they eventually, you know, won that battle and had Sabrina raised by her two lovely I always assumed her mom was dead. I think I did too, but I think she, maybe originally they were like, they're both off at work. But it sounds like... From what I had I assumed they were both dead, and that's why the ants were raising them. Yeah. Or raising ex- her. Exactly. Um, and she actually says, uh, I do think it's about women supporting other women. We really wanted to take women seriously, even on a show that was funny. And the show really embraced being a witch. Like, she did have a love interest, but it was kind of a secondary plot. And it was kind of... He was kind of the bumbling, like, wait, what? Harvey. Kind of, Harvey. Yeah, like, it, it really was about her growing up as a teenager, going through changes as a witch. And that was something when I was growing up that I really related to because a lot of the things that she was going through, I mean, I was pretty young when I was watching it. I wasn't really in high school and things like that, but I was like, this is how you navigate these things. Plus, 
she's a fucking witch. <laughs> well, and there was also Sabrina. What was interesting about 90s Sabrina, I guess yeah. I should differentiate between, between those, since we do have a new Sabrina TV show going on right now. Um, but I think the thing that kind of set her apart as well was not only was she a witch with everything that that means, raised by two witchy ants, and even though it was kind of like a funny, fun show, but she was also a, a girl in high school who was interested in math and science yeah. and studies and academics, and she wasn't this kind of vapid image or portrayal that we saw very often. She was interested in social justice causes. Yeah. Uh, she did She's kind of the flip coin of Melisandre a bit. <laughs> you know, she's where Melisandre used her, her sexuality, Sabrina really used her brain power. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And she didn't rely on magic for absolutely everything. Yeah. You know, and I feel like that was a very positive example, and it did fit very well into that 90s, you know, kind of girl power. Women can do anything, and we can be smart, you yeah. know, Exactly. Thing, which I think was really positive for me growing up. It was very a very positive so. image. Yeah. Uh, you know, to be represented at that time. Yeah. I love that show. I love that show too. Didn't they do didn't they go on with Sabrina to be like in college? They did. They did. Gosh, I gotta watch that show again. It's kind of like remember when we rewatched All of Boy Meets World? Yeah. Yeah. We should do that with Sabrina. I would love to rewatch Sabrina. I think it ran for a lot longer than I thought it did. It ran from like nineteen ninety six to like two thousand three is what I think I read. Yeah, it so, was for a while. Yeah, it ran for quite a while. And that kind of leaves also like a lot of that time change from like the late nineties to the early two thousands, like how our world changed during that time and things like that, which would probably be cool to look back on now. Yeah, yeah, because that early two thousands, that late 90s was whenever we were getting into that, like, truly, women can be whatever they want. Yeah. Girls can be whatever they want. Yeah. Kind of thing. Because uh, we can be, Keegan. That's exactly right. So I want to talk a little bit more about this sisterhood mm -hmm. kind of feeling that we have in these shows. I feel like it is very rare in which shows to see a father figure represented. Yeah. Uh, in all of the ones we've mentioned so far, there was not one. So in Bewitched, it's a mother figure. Yeah. In um, Sabrina, it's the ants. In Practical Magic, it's the ants. Melisandre does not have yeah. any parental figure. And I do really love that. And I think that that is partially why it's so threatening to the patriarchy. Yeah, why Why do you think they made that decision to not have father figures? I think it's because traditionally, it, it's the idea of a coven, right? Yeah. It's like traditionally, it's a group of women, and I think their powers combined, it makes them more powerful right? It, uh, to have a group of women together. Uh-huh. Other than that, I'm not exactly sure why they they wouldn't include... I mean, that could include be it. Other uh, include men. I mean, the new, the new Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Have you watched any of that? I have not. I watched all of the first season. Yeah, was it good? <laughs> I did. I mean, I can't get into Riverdale, and it's the same people, so I don't think I would enjoy it. Yeah, good is not the word I would use. But did I watch? Yes, did I watch the entire thing? Yes, I did. I watched <laughs> all of the first season, and I watched. They had a Christmas special. Watch that too. What? So I definitely did. They had um, a Christmas special. Yes, or it was like a Yule special because they are Satanists in the um, yeah, in or pagans in the show. Interesting. Okay, but yeah, in in that show as well, there is no father, but there is a. They all worship Satan. Yeah. Who is a masculine figure. Masculine yeah, I did a little bit energy. of reading about that. And, like, isn't it kind of like her battle between, like, good and evil? 
trying to decide like whether or not to be a human or yeah given to Satan. Yes. Yes. Okay. I haven't seen the show, so and, I don't know. You know, I liked the show. I do think it represents a different chapter of like TV witches, pop culture witches. I think that oftentimes these TV witches um reflect what's going on in our current world. Yeah. And we in the year of our Lord 2019 are <laughs> are facing just so many like existential crises. It's yeah. not that like bright, sunny Sabrina the Teenage Witch that we grew up with yeah. that was very optimistic. Yeah. It's much darker than that. But I do think having the ants kind of everyone is scared of Satan and the guy who's the head of their organization is a is a man and all of these things. I do think it takes away a little bit of that like yeah. sisterhood um power. Right. You know, because I feel like they're conceding their power a little bit to these, like, male figures. Right. And from what I've seen just, like, with articles online and pictures on Instagram and different things like that, where it seems like it's very heavily invested in, like, the love interest. Um, There's a love triangle, of course, because it's, um, it's CW or whatever, right? It's it's Netflix, but it's a YA. You know, it's young adults. There's always a love triangle. Always a love triangle. Hunger Games-esque. It's very... It's interesting how they're taking some of the focus then away, I feel, from her power when we're focusing on a love triangle and more of a patriarchal world that she's living in. And I think that then you can have the opportunity for her to fight against that. But do you think that happens in the show? Uh, It does. It does happen some. And... I would say that they do focus a lot on Sabrina's power. Like, she is supposed to be this incredibly powerful witch, uh, which is good. But at the same time, there's also these, like, mean girl figures. Like, her, her friends, like, who are her friends are, like, humans. And her enemies are witch girls. It's kind of this, like, witch girl club. Like, mean girl club. You know what I mean? Oh, weird. Where they're, like mean to her like it, she goes off to like witch school and like she's facing like a uh, mean girl kind of click it's like a harry potter situation where she's like the most powerful so they don't like her i think it's i think it's because she's half human that they oh. don't like her totally harry potter so, <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah. yes so they don't like her because she's half human but i don't love that because again i think it takes away from this feeling of, like, witchy sisterhood, sisterhood yeah. that is something that drew me to, quote-unquote, witch culture yeah, in the 90s. Yeah, you're powerful together yeah, absolutely. than being separate. Yeah, yeah, I think that's something that I don't even think I could comprehend as a kid, but looking back at it, yeah, there is something that I'm sure I saw in those shows where I'm seeing a lot of very powerful, literally powerful women banding together to then enhance their powers and support each other and love each other and be like a family. That is something really beautiful, especially like, I don't know, I think of me and my mom as being like so close. It was mostly just the two of us when I was growing up. And like, it always was really nice to see healthy female relationships when it comes to like a mother daughter situation, even if it's aunts and nieces, like in Sabrina and things like that. Well, and a friendship situation. Yeah. Because I feel like so often teenage girls are portrayed as being catty yeah. and being mean girls and always needing to Backstabbing. be Backstabbing. Co- yeah. And needing to be in competition with each other all yeah. the time. And I do feel like this kind of reinforces that trope. Um, whereas a lot of other kind of examples of TV and movie witches went against that trope where it was women 
binding together and not judging each other. Like, that's something that I really love in Practical Magic is it's a sister story. And even though, you know, there is one sister who seems like she's constantly fucking up, there's not that judgment that's coming from the other sister or the aunts. Um, They just want to help her. And they they bind together to help her rather than to kind of point a finger at her and say, like, well, you're a fuck up and these are the things you're doing wrong, you know? And I like that. I think we need more examples of that. And I like that which witchy portrayals in movies and TV have been able to give that to us. Yeah, I mean, that just made me think of uh, the Sanderson sisters and Hocus Pocus. They are, and the the quote that I read earlier about, about how witches, sluts, and feminists are the trifecta of terror in the patriarchy, those three sisters kind of embody yes. those three things. Yes. You know, we see uh, one witch who's, like, very sexual. Vampy. Very, like, ugh, aggressive. And, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, Sarah Jessica Parker in that role is, like, mwah, perfect. We've Although, got... I watched it as an adult, and I'm like, God, your boobs probably hurt so bad. Oh, my God, yeah. She had them corset pushed is... all the way up. All the way. <laughs> um, and I like also that they kind of flipped this trope of, like, the virgin that they're needing to, like, use or sacrifice or whatever being a boy. Yes. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, I like the little sister is the one that's, like, totally, like, into it and loves it and is funny and Yeah, great. honestly, I could have done with more... It was Thora Birch, right? I who think played so. the little sister. I could have done with more Thora, Thora Birch and less of the the son, Max, the or whatever Max, his yeah. name is. Yeah, we, because, could have, we could have less of Max in our life. Max, are you listening? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, like, because she was she was kind of, like, the smart one. She the, was. The one who was, like, the driving force behind. Well, and a lot of times, like, I mean, think about Harry Potter. Like, Hermione is the smart one. She's the one, like, if you were just to listen to Hermione in the beginning of the books, a lot of that shit would not have happened, Harry and Ron. Listen True. to Hermione. Yeah. You know, they're the they're the smart ones. We, they're the we ones are. that keep us. You we know. discussed that with our horror movie episode as well. Exactly. Any, any alien movie, any yeah. aliens movie, you could exactly. just listen to the woman in charge. Yeah, and I like that with um, that with Hocus Pocus that they start off in this like 17th century hanging, and then they come back to life. It's kind of like showing like Salem witch trial era and then you bring them into like a modern day world. And I I will say Hocus Pocus, even though it's kind of a negative representation of witches because they are evil. Yeah. Um, they are yeah. trying to kill people yeah. uh, actively throughout the entire movie. Their relationship with each other, yeah. even though Bette Midler is kind of a bitch to yeah. her sisters yeah. in in that movie, their relationship as sisters and as like three single women who like live together is very loving. Is is loving and positive to yeah. me as yeah. like you know, because there are people like that who are just like have more bitchy attitudes and are like that. But well, and she's the head bitch in charge. Exactly. Like, you know, so exactly. she's got to keep the other two in line. Especially the other two are kind of dumb. Yeah, <laughs> but we love them. But we love them. But we love them. So I do want to talk a little bit about the exclusion of women of color. Yes. And poor people. In these movies. So this is something that I actually have an issue with. Because historically, people who were persecuted for witchcraft, uh, people who were victims of witch hunts and witch trials, were one overwhelmingly poor. Yeah. (laughs) Generally, it was poor people. It was elderly people. And another completely underrepresented class that doesn't get spoken enough about, even in historical texts, is the number of... Um, women of color, people of color right. who were 
constantly persecuted well, for this kind of thing. It's interesting because that's the thing that we were re- that we're researching for our live yes. show, and the African American slaves and the Native Americans were the people who. Uh, kind of taught the Europeans a lot of these different herbalist practices. Mm -hmm. And so that would make sense because that's in their culture. That's the way that they, that, that, they would be viewed as witches because of their herbal remedies, because of their sisterhood, their binding together. Like, that makes sense. I mean, it's not right, but it makes sense. Right. But then Even, now there's a lack of representation in viewing what that struggle actually was for them. Right. And even if you are looking at, like, the Salem witch trials... The- Tituba was the very first person to get that kicked off. And, like, um, she was a woman of color. And for me, as somebody who related very closely to witch culture in the 90s, and I think a lot of women did, and I think it was actually very good for a lot of young women Uh to see these kinds of representations, we were not represented as women of color in these shows. Yeah. Like, you know, Practical Magic, it's an all-white cast. Hocus Pocus, it's an all-white cast. Um, Sabrina. Sabrina, it's an all-white cast. It's very, like, it's always seen from the perspective of white European witchcraft. Which I think is definitely, like, a privileged thing. Because people, I think, are inherently more willing to accept something that is typically an evil thing or othered in some way yeah Yeah. and then you're seeing like a pretty blonde girl yeah it becomes more acceptable absolutely absolutely um i think that that is completely the case because you're right not only is it typically white people who are represented in this kind of like goth culture which did make it hard for quote-unquote weird black girls yeah. to kind of embrace that part of ourselves. Because right, because I don't think we were... Uh, I don't think people were used to seeing... like They were used to seeing a certain image of what a black woman and a black person means. Right, and so black goths, yeah. you know, had it hard. I remember yeah. thinking that, like, being drawn to that kind of, like, lifestyle. I wore a lot of eyeliner, a lot of black, a lot of, like, unnecessary um, chains. Emo girl. <laughs> I was very, like, emo, but, like, Emo culture yeah. did not reflect me, and like, yeah. and also witch culture did not reflect me um, in any way. Mm-hmm. And so, also, not only were people of color not represented in these pop culture uh, films, it was almost always overwhelmingly beautiful, white, and middle to upper class. Yeah, almost always. And so, you don't see a lot of representation for um, lower class people either. Can I make a tie to the Wizard of Oz really quick? Yes. I find it interesting when we're talking about people of color, the Wicked Witch of the West is green. Yes. She is different. She is othered. She is the only green being in the entire movie. And ugly and old and has a big nose and a wart. And Glinda, the Good Witch, is like a strawberry blonde, beautiful, lovely voice, white woman. Traditionally incredibly feminine. Yes, exactly. So... That is that's interesting to think about how that's even displaying when you are of a different color. If you're a witch, that means that you're wicked or you're right. bad. I mean, and even when we do see witches of color in represented in pop culture, it's almost always exoticized, fetishized, or yeah. sexualized. Typically, it's like hoodoo, voodoo kind of representation, yeah. and it's very often 
sexualized and it's very often something that's much, much darker. We see a lot more um, animal sacrifices. Yeah. We see a lot more things that are supposed to represent this kind of, like, savage mentality. Right. And for someone like you who wouldn't relate to someone like that is it's disheartening because you you want to relate to the Sabrinas and the things like that. Right. Well, I mean, and I, I did relate to that only because like my family is from Louisiana. So we have like those like Creole ties and things yeah. like that. And so I didn't necessarily see it as a negative portrayal, but I do think it's supposed to be a negative portrayal. Yeah. I think, or at least bare minimum, if it's not supposed to be negative, it is supposed to be less benevolent. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it is it is uh perpetuating a stereotype as well of what a black witch would be or what a witch of color would be. Right. It and it's almost always you know there's bones being thrown around. Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. just like Sabrina the Teenage Witch where she can point out a cauldron and stir a pot. It's yeah. nothing like that typically. Yeah. And when we do our live show which at the time that this episode comes out we will have already done it, but I did want to talk about the difference between like witchcraft and sorcery and they yeah. are different things, whereas I feel like white people are represented more often as witches having this kind of inherited, innate ability to do something. It's like a power. Yeah. And sorcerers are people that are more represented for, like, um, you know, black witches, voodoo. It's an outside kind of thing. Yeah, where if you almost... get the right ingredients together, you can create a thing. And you I know? feel like there's always a lot of, like, underworld references and things like that with sorcery. It's like a very dark arts more Yeah, that's kind what of, it feels like. like. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to touch on that briefly because I feel like there is a, as much as I love witch culture and I love all of these like, you know, 90s witch movies and yeah. witches in pop culture, there is a real classist, racist undertone to a lot of these yeah. movies. You yeah. Know? And I, I haven't seen a lot of movement on that front. I mean, there there are some black witches in the new, um, I will say there's a lot more diversity in the new Sabrina yeah. the Teenage Witch. Yeah. Uh, but and I haven't seen the needle move very much. Right. That's interesting. I just don't think it's, like, a, a big topic of conversation, which is why... I mean, that's not something that was on my radar going into this conversation, mm-hmm. so I'm glad that you brought it up to me. I, I wonder if it's just not on the radar enough to be spoken about, and that I I agree that with most roles, it, it we need to change our representation of different minority communities like we were talking about that with the horror movies last week you know like yeah. there needs to be a change in what those stereotypes are being and those tropes are being viewed as in movies absolutely you know and in tv so that makes a lot of sense to me yeah well i've talked about the wizard of oz a million times on this show we have discussed witches where i've you know we talked about um i talked about Matilda Jocelyn Gage and talking about the good and evil witches, but I wanted to bring it up again because I think it that was kind of the first time that we ever saw a witch being portrayed in a positive light. Yes. And, you know, Dorothy literally goes up to Glinda and is like, I thought all witches were ugly. Or she's like, uh, I'm not a witch. Witches are old and ugly. And the munchkins giggle. And, you know, Glinda is the first kind of light being of seeing that a witch can be a motherly figure, a positive figure. She's someone who's guiding and protecting Dorothy through her whole journey while this evil, evil witch wants to tear her down and steal her shoes. You know, right, this yes. whole thing. And it is that kind of battle between, like, light and darkness that Very you, you see so. reflected there. She's a white witch. She's a benevolent witch. Yeah. You know, which it is, I think, it when we did our episode on witches, I think we did find that that is the first portrayal of, positive portrayal it is, yeah. of a witch it, in media. What's interesting is even the treatment of the actresses 
on that set were entirely different. Billy Burke had this like beautiful dressing room and it was pink and plush and lovely and comfortable and Margaret Hamilton was like I was in this like tiny little shoe box and like there was nothing really glamorous or wonderful about it and I was just kind of eh, whatever like even the treatment of the actresses was so different Margaret Hamilton had a fucking time she got like her skin burned off and that like, set seems awful. Had to do truly. Yeah, when you watch the movie, when she goes down in the big cloud of smoke, the the makeup reacts to the fire and the smoke, and she literally her hands all the way up her arms and her face burned her skin off, and had to be offset for a while. And her first day back, they were gonna have her do this. Um, the scene where she's flying off on the broom from her castle to do the surrender Dorothy thing. And she was like, I won't do it. No, no, no. And so they bring in her stunt double and she was like, she's not doing it either. Like, this is too dangerous. Like, they put her in such dangerous positions yeah, where... That set seems like a goddamn nightmare. Oh, it was insane. And then Glinda was treated like a, like this celebrity, but she was... Her celebrity status was a little bit more than Margaret Hamilton as well. It was just interesting to see how, like, the on-screen portrayal relates to the off-screen treatment of the two witches as well. It's very interesting. Yeah, it is. So it's kind of interesting to go from that, which is our very first portrayal of seeing a positive witch in the media and a very early portrayal of yeah. witches in the media, period, yeah. I feel like, um, through kind of modern times. Did you ever see, I think it was in 2016, a couple of years ago, The Witch? Did you see The Witch? No. It was good. It I was, haven't seen most things. It Sorry. was very good. Um, I went, I saw it in theaters, actually. And it was very good, but I do think that it is interesting to watch the way that the portrayal of witches in pop culture ebbs and flows and is very, like, parallel with what's happening in oh yeah current, you know, times. Yeah. I think we see that whenever we look at witch portrayals also in, like, the 1970s and what was going on then. Anytime yeah. that there's a spike in the feminist Feminism. movement, yeah. um, we see the portrayal of witches change. Yeah. And... Currently, with you've got the chilling adventure of Sabrina the Teenage Witch, you've got The Witch, the movie, you're seeing a much darker, almost far more like realistic portrayal. Um, I say realistic in air quotes because, particularly with Sabrina the Teenage Witch, I think they are trying to um, bring in a lot of really like occult practices. So I would like okay. to talk to someone who is actually a Satanist or who yeah. actually practices. Um, like occult practices so right. they can tell me whether or not that's accurate or insulting. Yeah. I don't know. But you are seeing a lot more of like a realistic depiction of witchcraft and like the witch, which was supposed to take place in like Puritan times. Yeah. It's a very good movie. But I, f and it, to me, I feel like the witch is a very feminist movie. It has yeah. a lot of feminist undertones, even though it's very dark and would be considered kind of evil. She does like sign her soul away or whatever yeah. but there is this kind of like freeing element to it where she's living under this very oppressive patriarchal structure yeah. in her family puritanical kind of structure right and i think her falling into witchcraft and this sisterhood is a representation of her freedom yeah and like being able to actually make her own decisions and, like, live her own life. Right. That was going to be my my next question, is do you think that it being portrayed as 
darker and discussing the occult and things that, you know, Satanic Panic was huge in the 80s. Do you mm-hmm. think that the discussions and the stories being based around those things make it a positive or do you think it's playing up on that? I think it can fear? be seen either way. I think it depends on the way that you are choosing to look at it. Yeah. I think seeing witchcraft as evil, I think, is a very patriarchal, like, mindset. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking when you were talking about it being darker. To me, that almost seems like a regression, where we're not seeing it as being, like, an empowering, potentially positive thing. Because if you look at, like, Wicca, their motto is, like, do no harm. They are there to be loving and kind. And, like, we have, but yet we demonize Wiccans. Like, they are seen as being scary paganists. And... I'm wondering if if we're regressing then. Like, if, you know, in the 90s, there is this very positive, um, like, I think about the movie Halloween Town mm-hmm. with Debbie Reynolds yes. being the grandmother witch powerful woman, like, being very kind and very sweet. What do you think then that means for today's... I don't see it as culture. a I don't see it as a regression because to me I feel like a lot of this girl power feminism that we experienced in the 90s uh-huh. while I think it was positive for me as a child uh-huh. I don't think it's necessarily I don't know that it necessarily did a whole lot yeah, as far it, as it, like it, advancing feminism in a really real practical way Yeah I think it advanced um the female relationships that we have with each other. And, you know, for me, I always think of the Spice Girls when I think of, like, girl power and girl friendships of, like, banding together and being powerful. Like, you're more powerful when you're together and you work together. But I also, you know, you were talking about more authenticity, talking more about authentically what it would mean to be a witch and things like that, where I don't think they really touched on that in the 90s. Well, yeah, and as far as, like, the whole girl power thing that was going on in the 90s, I think it's great and empowering that we allowed little girls to be able to say out loud, I can do whatever I want to do, I have power. I think that all of those things are positive. I think that they're, like, net positive. But as far as actually harnessing your power... I feel like movies like The Witch are feminist, even mm-hmm. though they're darker, right? Like, it's not a very, like, light and airy version of witchcraft or feminism. Right. But they are feminist because she's actually harnessing her power. Like, right. you can say girl power, like, all day long. Right. But actually using your power to break free of whatever kind of constraints that you're actually in, I think, is ultimately more powerful. I agree. So... You know, whether or not there are positive or negative representations of women or and or witches or witchcraft is debatable, I guess, yeah. depending on how you're viewing it. Um, but I think the messages that are being put across where women are actually displaying their power in very, like, real ways, yeah. albeit dangerous ways, yeah. um, I think is ultimately more positive. So and I, I don't think know. it's more of what we want to see as a culture right now as well. Like, I feel like that's... Oh, we're a burn-it-down culture right we now. We are. Yeah. Like, we want to see someone break away from their restraints. We want to see someone harnessing their power, and even if they're doing evil things, having it be for the good, because it's such a release, because we can't burn it all down. Like, I'm not gonna go right. I, and literally I, and that's what I mean yeah. when I say that, like, I feel like witches and media always reflect whatever's happening in the zeitgeist, you know what I mean? And, like, for us right now, so many people are in this mindset where we're just, like, 
I, we feel powerless. Yeah. Especially women, because, like, the witch came out around the same time that Me Too was happening. Yeah. Donald Trump was being elected. Um, Time's Up was going on. And I feel like women were feeling this very powerless... Um, we're feeling powerless in the face of the patriarchy, right? Exactly. That's what was happening. And so to have this representation of this woman who was just like, throughout the movie, you see her being suppressed in in many ways. And at the end, it's like, yeah, she burned it all down, but like, she's free. Yeah. (laughs) And that there's a catharsis that goes along with that. So Keegan, are you a good witch or a bad witch? Um, I think I'm a realist witch. <laughs> I, uh, good when I, good most of the time, bad when I gotta be. That's I think, what I think. I think I would be the same. You know? Yeah. And isn't that how it should be? That is how it should be. Yeah. Yeah. I love this it. This was a fun episode. This was very fun. It was a little shorter than usual, but, you know, we got it done. We did our thing. Guys, we had to do prep on three so, episodes. <laughs> so much shit this week, and I also moved this week. Yeah. So uh, it was a lot. And worked overtime. So <laughs> my brain is fried right now. So I'm, I'm looking forward to tonight to having it all just kind of be released and come forward. I can't wait for you guys to hear the live show episode. I'm sure it's going to be so much fun. I'm so excited to have this today. It feels like it's show day and I'm like, my adrenaline's pumping and I'm very excited. So I hope that you guys really enjoyed this episode. If we missed any shows that you would like to talk about, I know that there are some other shows I had written down that I just don't have any real knowledge on, so I didn't talk about them. Um, But if there's anything that you wanted to add and speak with us about, go ahead and email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com. You can follow us and direct message us on Instagram at Angry Neighborhood Feminist. Catch us on Twitter at Yamf Podcast, Y-A-N-F Podcast. We have a Facebook business and group page. We are loving that we are becoming more active with this Facebook group page. We want you guys to continue to be active. I'm there to have as many conversations in the comment sections as I can. Um, You can also rate and review us on our Facebook business page. We also love it when you rate and review us on Apple Podcasts so much. And if you don't already, go ahead and listen to us on Radio Public. It's a free way for you to listen, and it helps us out just a little bit every time you listen to us. So you guys, that's all we have for you today. Thank you so much for listening. With all that being said, we encourage you to rage on. on. Bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.